During the 6th century, Pope Gregory created a list of seven deadly sins and included gluttony. Does that surprise you? What makes excessive eating and drinking so deadly? The Bible warns about those who walk as enemies of the cross. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. The excessive feeding of their flesh is a kind of idolatry. Nothing it craves, they deny. If gluttony is first and foremost about eating excessive amounts of food and can lead to idolatry, then the best way to defeat this deadly sin is to practice fasting, which is the abstinence of food for a period of time and for a spiritual purpose. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. Self-indulgence is the enemy of self-denial and the enemy of Christian discipleship. Those aren't my words. They're the words of Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Hello, I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for being here for today's edition of Something Good. Well, the world preaches self-improvement and self-indulgence. Jesus taught self-denial and self-restraint. Today, Ron serves up a few keys to overcoming the deadly sin of gluttony. Stay with us now or visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. From his teaching series, Undefeated, Overcoming the Deadly Sins That Drag You Down. Here's Ron with part two of his message, Defeating Gluttony. In that culture 2,000 years ago, when uh, two young lovebirds got engaged or uh, betrothed in marriage, the betrothal period would last for up to a year. And during that time, the groom would go back to his father's house, literally. He'd go back there and he'd start a construction project. He'd build on extra rooms and extra wings because one day he was going to come back, get his bride, marry her, and then take her back to their father's house. And that's where they would live. And so Jesus is using that analogy on the night before he was crucified. He says, guys, I'm leaving, but I'm the heavenly groom. I'm going back to my father's house, but I'm coming back to get you. You are the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. And I'll take you back to my father's house where there are many rooms. Right now, Jesus is building a room for believers in Jesus Christ to one day be in the father's house. Well, he uses that same analogy to say, while I'm here, this is a time for, for feasting. But while I'm gone, it's a time uh, for fasting. What's the point of this eschatological lesson? And what does it have to do with gluttony? Uh, my point is simply this, that the regular eating habits of uh, believers in Jesus should fall somewhere between feasting and fasting, uh, with a greater emphasis on fasting because we're waiting for the return of Jesus Christ. But the reality is, if you look at the eating habits of most Americans and most church-going Americans, they tend toward the feasting and rarely, if ever, the fasting. Uh, you go to restaurants today and the portions are feasting-sized portions. Catherine and I go out to dinner and here's usually her first question, do you want to split this? <laughs> 
and I'm usually more hungry than she is, so we go on to something else, or she's chosen something on the menu that I don't want to eat. But, you know, it's a legitimate question because we know at this particular restaurant the portions are so big. So she'll order hers plus get a to-go box. I'll order mine, get a to-go box, and we got lunch for tomorrow. We were in Europe now about a year ago, and we noticed in the restaurants the portions were smaller. We also noticed that the Europeans were thinner, and I think there was a connection between the two. Again, not to shame anybody, but we, we know that in America we have an obesity problem because our regular eating habits and our eating out habits are more on the feasting end of things than the fasting end of things. And I'm just saying, from a health standpoint, it needs to be somewhere in the middle. Is there time for celebratory eating that is feasting? Are there times like that in our lives? Absolutely. Weddings and other occasions where we feast, but not as a regular daily way to eat, but our culture has even drawn us as believers in Jesus Christ into this, this feasting culture. And as believers who are waiting for the soon return of our heavenly groom, we need to place an emphasis on fasting. Now is the time for fasting, not for dietary reasons that the diet world has figured out. That's all fine, and there may be physiological benefits and weight loss benefits in that, but we do it for spiritual purposes and as a way to defeat gluttony. You work those seasons of fasting into your spiritual life. Are you still with me? I'm sure I have already um, blown to pieces your Sunday lunch plans, right? <laughs> You're saying, we got to do something else besides go to lunch after church today. Hey, there's a second reason or a second way, I should say, that we can defeat gluttony. First, practice fasting. Secondly, closely related, practice self-denial. And here's how I want to set this one up. Gluttony is the enemy of discipleship. And here's what I mean by that. Luke chapter 9 and verse 23, Jesus said this, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. How dare Jesus drop a little thing like self-denial into this uh, discussion about what it means to be one of his disciples. I mean, we live in a self-indulgent culture. Everything about us is about indulging ourselves, never putting a restraint on any appetite we might have, whether it's a physical appetite or a sexual appetite or an appetite for anything. We live in a very self-indulgent culture and a culture that will applaud, applaud your self-indulgence. And Jesus comes along and he says, if you want to be one of my disciples, <laughs> deny yourself Deny yourself, deny yourself. Put some restraints in your life. In fact, um, self-indulgence cannot coexist with self-denial. Gluttony and the self-indulgence that comes with it is the enemy of discipleship. It's just that simple. Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount, he says, you cannot serve God and money. He didn't give us that choice. Likewise, he would say, you can't follow me and follow your belly at the same time. You're going to have to, have to practice and, and learn self-indulgence. Dr. Ron Jones will be right back with the second half of today's message, Defeating Gluttony. 
Stop by somethinggoodradio.org anytime to find out more about the ministry, to ask our ministry team to pray for you, or to order selected resources from our online store. The song Route 66 by Bobby Troop captured the heartbeat of a generation that dreamed of traveling the open road on US 66 from Chicago, Illinois to Santa Monica, California. Get your kicks on Route 66. Get your kicks on Route 66 became the rally cry and part of the song's popular lyric. If reading the 66 books of the Bible was like a Route 66 road trip across America, people might do more than casually flip through the best-selling book of all time. That idea captured my heart and inspired me to write a book called The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, making the Bible's story accessible to a new generation of people. Get your kicks on the biblical Route 66. Join me on The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Ron's new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament, is now available. For a gift of $30 or more, request your copy of the 384-page book today. When you order the print book, you'll also get instant access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The Digital Library contains 66 video sermons, 66 audio messages, 66 downloadable sermon notes, and 8 ebooks. To order your copy of The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament, go to somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible is a welcome addition to any home librarian pastor. As you look back on your 66 messages through the Bible, what has been most impactful about the experience? And what are you hoping our listeners will get from the book? Brian, one of the most impactful things for me was to experience the grace of God energizing and equipping me to hammer out the project. Uh, My relationship with the Lord has grown even more intimate from having persevered to the end. One of the things I hoped to accomplish was to show people how the whole of God's Word hangs together and to do it without writing endless volumes of commentary. So this uh, abbreviated resource called The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible is a companion to the Bible and offers the reader a bit of a a bird's-eye view of the major themes of each book, showing how all 66 books of the Bible fit together to produce a unified work of the Holy Spirit. Stop by somethinggoodradio.org to request The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament, for your gift of $30 or more. Give over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099 or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. Now let's get back to Ron for the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, Defeating Gluttony. But I want you to consider this. Let's step outside the world of the Bible for a moment. The Food Mix Marketing Communications firm came up with some recent research that suggests that even healthy-minded Americans are having a problem with self-indulgence. New research reveals even America's healthiest eaters cave into indulgences based on their emotional status. Listen to this. 40% of U.S. food brand lovers who rated their daily diet as extremely healthy, agreed with the statement, when I'm feeling down, I eat something indulgent to make me feel better. 
Food indulgence has become a form of self-care, says the market research firm. Instead of hitting the gym after a bad day, many of these normally super healthy eaters are hitting the refrigerator or nearest restaurant for an indulgent treat. How interesting that even the secular world has seen how self-indulgent we have become and how hard, even when we make a commitment to healthy eating, how hard it is for emotional reasons to give restraint to our our appetites. Um, Self-care, you know, my comfort food, people refer to it as. Uh, Deeply embedded maybe in some fears and insecurities and well, I've had a hard day, so I guess I'll go indulge myself, you know. And, th- and this is the, the endless cycle that we get into. But the follower of Jesus Christ learns self-restraint, not through the power of self-help, no, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control, right? And this, this whole series, just as a reminder, is not about pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps and trying harder. Maybe you've figured out after pride, anger, lust, laziness, now gluttony, <laughs> you're in a world of trouble. And the try harder just doesn't work. That's why you need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You need Jesus Christ in your life who has made you an overcomer. So let's review. We practice fasting. We practice self-denial. How about a third one? And we'll finish there. And I'm just going to borrow some uh, words from an old Greek philosopher named Epicurus and phrase it this way. Eat, drink, and glorify God, for soon Jesus is coming. That's better than eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we may die. No, eat, drink, and glorify God, for soon Jesus is coming. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19 where the Bible says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify your God, glorify God in your body. Uh, now, this is what I call sort of the, the starting point in a biblical theology of the, of the body, of the cynics, even the Gnostics believed that the body was evil. And they, uh, uh, you know, put the body under all kinds of restraints for all the wrong reasons. The Bible never says that the body is evil. It just says uh, that your body, on the contrary, is sacred. As a believer in Jesus Christ, your body, my body, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. This was a legitimate uh, argument for, for not smoking, for not doing other things that would damage your body, intentionally damage your body, because this body you've been given is, is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which means that everywhere we travel provides a worship experience for us. Your body is, is the sacred dwelling place of the third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit who comes to live inside of you at the moment of salvation. Um, the other thing that this verse tells us as far as a biblical theology of your body is your body doesn't belong to you. <laughs> now, I know the first thing that most people would say is, get your hands off my body, this belongs to me. Don't tell me what to do with my body. You hear it all over our culture today. But as a believer in Jesus Christ, that's never appropriate for us to say. 
Paul says, you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. Your body and my body, it's, it's on loan to us from God. By the way, if I loaned you my car or if you loaned me your car, how would we treat it? You would expect me to return your car in at least as good a condition as I received it, if not better. It's always good when you loan somebody a car and, you know, you haven't washed it for two months, but he comes back and says, hey, I ran it through the, the car wash, right? Yeah, we do that when we're borrowing something from somebody else. Well, our body is on loan to us from God. And on the contrary, it's, it's not evil. In fact, um, in eternity, won't, we won't just be disembodied spirits floating around on clouds. In heaven, we will have bodies. Death is when the spirit separates from the body, and more often than not, the body goes into the grave. The spirit, well, the Bible says, for a believer, absent from the body, present with the Lord, or for an unbeliever, absent from the body, present in a place of torment. Those are the two choices. And at death, both disembodied spirits are awaiting a resurrection. We can talk about that all throughout uh, the New Testament. The future resurrection of the dead. Everybody who dies and goes into the ground, a disembodied spirit into eternity, there is a future resurrection of the dead awaiting us. Some will rise to eternal life. Some will rise to eternal death. The second death, eternal separation from God in, in a place called hell. But on that day of resurrection, the spirit will be reunited with the body. The body will come up out of the grave. And for believers in Jesus Christ, we will now have a glorified body, the Bible says. <laughs> That's when your, uh, uh, your six-pack is in view behind that cooler that you have right now, Right? It's a glorified body. It's a body like Jesus had when he came out of the grave, a resurrection body with capacities like we can't even begin to imagine. What I'm simply saying is there's a future for that body of yours and mine. It's on loan to us from God. We will be bodies and spirits in heaven with work to do and places to travel and all of that. Paul just says in light of all of this, that you are not your own and your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, glorify God in your body. Make sure that what you're doing with your body honors him first. And it starts with that fork in that piece of whatever before you bring it to your, you know, it, I don't want to get overly crazy about all of this, but it starts with what we eat, what we put inside of our bodies. Eat healthy. Treat your body healthy. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 31, Paul says it this way. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, he broadens it to whatever, um, do it all to the glory of God. Eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. No, not if you're a follower of Jesus. Eat, drink, and glorify God for soon Jesus is coming, right? Our heavenly bridegroom is returning, and uh, we want to be a bride that is waiting for him and is ready for him, a bride that has lived an undefeated life, one that overcomes the deadly sins that drag us down, including this one called gluttony, uh, evidence of an excessive, self-indulgent kind of life that never learns to put the brakes on, the restraints in place,
certainly before we cross over into that dangerous place where our, our belly, our stomach, our appetites, our desires become our God because they have first place in our life and secondary to anything that God would instruct us with about our bodies and about how we live our lives. Amen or oh me? Have I completely ruined your lunch plans, your dinner plans? Eat and drink, that's part of life. But let's do it to the glory of God. Let's go on our way to a 7-0 season where uh, we've lived an undefeated life in an undefeated season against pride, anger, lust, laziness, gluttony. We got two more, envy and greed. These are tough ones, aren't they? But again, this is not about pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. It's not about doing it the Avis rental car way, just try harder. Uh, that's the way you get frustrated in the Christian life. We need the enabling resources of the Holy Spirit to walk by the Spirit and live by the Spirit. And that's how, how victory in Jesus comes to people like you and me. Thanks so much for being with us for today's Something Good radio message, Defeating Gluttony. And Dr. Ron Jones joins me here in the studio. Ron, so far we've covered five of the deadly sins, pride, anger, lust, laziness, and today's subject, gluttony. So in looking over the list of these sins and comparing them one to another, is there anything that stands out in your mind? That's a great question, Brian, and yes, here's what stands out to me. Gluttony is the first deadly sin we've seen that involves something going into the body. It seems to place focus on an action, not an attitude. In fact, when you throw in envy and greed, the, the final two deadly sins that we'll cover over the next few days, gluttony is the only one of them in which the action is mentioned as opposed to an attitude. But don't let that fool you. Remember, I said it seems to place all the emphasis on an action, on what goes into the body. But even the sin of gluttony, and Brian, for the record, gluttony uh, involves excessive eating, excessive drinking, or both at the same time. But even the sin of gluttony begins in the heart. It was Jesus who said, it is not what goes into a man that defiles him, but rather what comes out of his mouth that defiles him. That's Matthew 15 and verse 11. And in Luke 6, and verse 45, Jesus says, Out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. So put those two verses together, and we see that it is the human heart that defiles us. That's where all sin begins. Now with that in mind, let's remember that the predominant attitude of those given to gluttony is rebellion and self-indulgence. That is why the sin of gluttony is so deadly. Not necessarily because of what goes into our mouths, but because of what it says about the content of our hearts. All sin begins in the heart, and gluttony is no different. And that's why our prescription for victory in this area is to learn to practice self-restraint by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's Dr. Ron Jones with some great final thoughts from today's message, Defeating Gluttony. And Ron, it seems the clock is always moving a little faster than we want it to. So as we wrap things up, tell us what's in store tomorrow as you continue your current series on The Seven Deadly Sins. 
Well, Brian, next up is number six on the list, and that brings us to envy. Uh, Listen to what James writes in chapter 4 and verse 1 of his New Testament letter, and I'm paraphrasing here. What is the source of quarreling and conflicts among you? You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. Now watch this one, Brian. You are envious and do not obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You know, when you look out at what's uh, going on in this world today, and specifically on the streets of the United States of America, it's pretty easy to see that we have an envy problem. Now, we have other problems, too, and we need to find a way to deal with those in a way that glorifies God. But a lot of what we see going on is due to envy. It's due to being jealous of what someone else has and, and, and desiring it for yourself. This is the kind of deadly sin that can wreak havoc in the church as well as the world at large. Uh, The good news is there is a way to overcome it, and that's where we're headed next time in our current series, Undefeated, Overcoming the Deadly Sins That Drag You Down. That's next time in Dr. Ron Jones' message, Defeating Envy. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for listening.